0: Okay, Isaiah chapter 1. Now, uh, (coughs) I want to speak on a particular portion of text this morning that we find in this first chapter of the book of Isaiah. And um, it's quite profound, really, as we'll consider it in just a moment. But one of the first things we just want to take note of is that uh, (coughs) we obviously have our favourite colours and in, in the Bible, colours are very symbolic. They are representative. They teach us something. They have spiritual significance. They have spiritual meaning. And so um, we 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 see that to some extent in the world around us. I mean, you know, traditionally, uh, if you uh, when a person got married, they would wear a white dress, and that was to symbolise white was a symbol of purity. And um, I don't know how much that is representative of today's generation, but uh, they're still intent on, for the most part, wearing white without understanding the concepts behind it. Uh, but nevertheless, there there is that element, and so colours are very important scripturally. Colours have very spiritual significance, and so there's another colour in the Bible that we want to consider this morning, and uh, we would commonly know it as just the colour red but the Bible refers to it as scarlet or crimson and uh, in a sense they're interchangeable, they, uh, are in the same, they're the same colour, representing the same colour. But this particular colour also is very symbolic in the scripture and it has a dual meaning or spiritual truth or application that we're going to identify this morning. And so it is very important for us, because the, you may have heard it said the, uh, there's a phrase that's called the scarlet thread of Scripture." And so you can trace this throughout the Bible and <coughs> excuse me and you can begin to identify certain truths and realities that are associated that God has attributed to this particular color, scarlet. And so, um, but like I said, there's a dual aspect of it that I want to capture this morning as we consider the text and what the Word of God is saying, especially in the context of Isaiah because this particular issue or topic, we can really branch out. There's so many aspects and facets we can consider but I want to stick to the context of Isaiah and I want to draw upon that and I want us to identify with the truth and reality that we find in this particular text What is important to note is here in the book of Isaiah, in the text that we're about to look at, is really the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right here in the Old Testament itself, remember that uh, Isaiah being a prophet and the word Isaiah in the Hebrew meaning God is salvation. And so, right within the first statement or first chapter of Isaiah, in its uh, some 66 chapters, we find right from the beginning a proclamation and a statement from God which contains uh, the foundation and a kernel of what we know today as the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, it's something to be excited about, it's something to reflect upon, it's something to look at because it is very, very important. So, let's read together. In Isaiah chapter 1, (coughs) verse 18, a familiar portion of text. The Bible says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Now, what is important to note is the context. We've just read verse 18. But if you read from chapter 1 and verse 1, the, ver- the words that God is speaking is, are very much the opposite of something that, that statement that we just find. In actual fact, God is speaking through the prophet and he's bringing a heavy and serious indictment against the children of Israel because uh, they have disobeyed the Lord. He, he's charging them with their rebellion. He's charging them with their corruption because of their sinful ways and the wickedness in which they've practiced. And there, there is strong language in those preceding verses where God is is telling them about their evil practices and uh, all of these things are being outlined and their inward corruption. Not only that, God is even telling the children of Israel how he despises their religious uh, practices. He charges them with hypocrisy. He says, I hate the way, in, the manner in which you come to me to, uh, to worship and yet you live a life that is totally contrary to the way in which I have ordained and instructed you. And so you find God speaking heavily against the children of Israel. But yet, in verse 18, it takes a shift. In verse 18, we find that where it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. You see, these words are not only words of salvation to the nation of Israel, but they are words, uh, and like I said to you, this, this scripture contains a kernel of the gospel itself, because this, where it says, come now let us reason, says the Lord, this is an offer from God to cleanse from sin. This is an offer from God for forgiveness, to be, de- to be cleansed from sin itself. And really, not only is Israel in this state, but this captures the essence and nature of the sinner in our own sin against God, in our own rebellion. You look at the world around us today and you see uh, all that's going on and you see the wickedness of men and yet this call from God applies not just here to Israel but by extension to the world around us, to all. Come now and let us reason together says the Lord. Now, this is a very interesting invitation. These are very interesting words. In actual fact, I don't know if, uh, if you will see it anywhere else in Scripture. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Now, think about that. I mean, God, you read the Bible, it, God just tells you how it is. God, for the most part, he declares, he speaks, he instructs, he's the authority, he's God. He can do what he wants, he can bring his judgment upon men for their sin and their wickedness, but yet in an extension of grace and in an appeal to want them to uh, come to understand, he says, come now and let us reason together. You see, God's not in, the, in this instance, this is, this is what makes the gospel so wonderful, is that, is that God is not into the rejecting these people. I mean, Jesus himself said, he says, I did not come to destroy men's life, but to save. We know he could have easily destroyed. Then he said that in the context of where James and John, because of the rejection, uh, um, said, uh, well, let's just call down fire and uh, consume these, these wicked men. And Jesus says, you know no manner of spirit you're of. He says, I didn't come to destroy men's life, but I've come to save men. And this is the essence of the gospel. This is exactly what's happening here in Isaiah in verse 18. God has every right to just wipe Israel. He has every right to judge them for their wickedness. Uh, but yet he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. In other words, God is saying, let us talk about this issue. Let's, let us talk about your sin." Let us talk about your condition. Let us talk about your life. And let's consider these things because I've got a few things to say, but not only do I have a few things to say, I want to conclude the matter with you. Or in other words, this word reason, come let us reason, says the Lord, Lord, uh, means to argue, but it also means to decide. That's why some translations will say, uh, let us conclude the matter. Let us settle the issue. In other words, God's stating the condition. He states that we're sinners. He states the fact that where, we, where our standing is. But yet in saying, let us reason together, says the Lord, God's saying, let's come to a conclusion about how we're going to deal with this. Let's deal with this matter. Let's settle the issue once and for all. And so what is the issue? and how will the issue be settled come let us come now and let us reason together says the lord he says in the text though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall be like wool and so here we have these two statements they're both representative of the same They're both speaking in in principle of the same thing. But you see, we've already established that the issue of white means purity, it stands for purity. So God is making two statements here. He talks about snow, he talks about wool. And so he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though your sins are like crimson, they shall be uh, like wool. And so there we have that aspect and that, uh, the issue of, of, of being, pure, being made pure, of being made white, of being made clean. This is what's being typified in these things. But see, what does is, Isaiah say? God says, your sins are like scarlet. Your sins are like crimson. And so what is it here then? That sin uh, is pretty self-explanatory, but the issue of, of being this uh, colour scarlet is being representative by the fact that it is equals and symbolic of sin. Though your sins are like scarlet, though you have been corrupted by sin. See, this is what the gospel is about. When In Romans, Paul says that there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Or in other words, all are stained. Your sins are as scarlet. We are stained by the corruption and wickedness of our sins and our sinful nature before the Lord. But you see, though your sins are like scarlet, though your sins are like crimson. Now, again, we're stating the obvious. The spiritual meaning there is crystal clear. But like I said at the beginning, there is a dual aspect to this and um, uh, because (coughs) the scarlet also, the colour red, is also has a spiritual significance as it relates to Jesus himself. Now, I want you to stick with me as we trace this because this is very fascinating. And as I study it through, people tend to just focus on the scarlet thread and they make the emphasis of the blood of Jesus and that's true, it's correct, it's right. But you see, the blood of Jesus is one aspect of, of being compared to and in the, in the types in relation to scarlet itself. Scarlet here, as Isaiah says, your sins are a scarlet. So if sin is scarlet compared to the colour, then how is the colour scarlet representative of Christ himself and his precious blood that was shed upon Calvary. How do the two connect? And this we see in scripture and this was, it can be identified and it's wonderful because it shows us something great about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have, let's, where do we start? Well, let's put it in perspective. Actually, James touched upon this this morning when he spoke about this agony uh, uh, and this suffering of our Lord, these feminine cries, because as Jesus bore the wrath of God, what was it that was transpiring is found here in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, when the Bible says, for God made him who knew no sin. Here's the pure one, to become sin. So Jesus Christ is being stained. With the sin of humanity, of all mankind, God made him sin who knew no sin. You see, Jesus, uh, so when when the Bible says your sins are like scarlet, those sins are being put upon Jesus Christ. He is becoming the sin bearer. And this is where the identification comes when we talk about the scarlet thread and how it typifies Christ in in Scripture. And we'll draw more on that in a moment. But what was it that the Jesus, remember when Jesus was with uh, being, uh, just before he began to be beaten and mocked by the soldiers, what was it that they put on him? A scarlet robe. They put on him a scarlet robe. Was that just coincidence? (laughs) No, not in God's, Plan and purpose, because it was symbolic of the fact that, that He who knew no sin was becoming sin for us. There is the physical, symbolic attribute of the robe, that scarlet robe being put upon Christ, it's symbolic of our sins being put upon Christ. And this is what was happening in this in the soul as the wrath of God was coming upon him, as he and in being in agony of soul, as he began to bear the sins of humanity in his own soul. Let me read it to you in Matthew twenty seven, verse twenty seven. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat upon him, they took the reed and smote him on the head and struck him on the head. You see, it wasn't because they were beating him and spitting on him that he was... Crying out, it was because they that robe, not in the physical sense, but the spiritual sense, the sins of all men was being laid upon him. So we make this first reference. Jesus is taking upon in the sins of the world. And it's one thing to speak in general sense, but understand this personally, my sin, your sin. Our individual sins that we had committed before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We were filthy sinners. We had we were corrupted by sin. And yet we begin to see that Jesus was the sin bearer. God made him who knew no sin. Though your sins are like scarlet. The scarlet robe was put upon Jesus, and he became the offering for sin. Jesus now listen to what God says in our text. Let us reason together Hmm, does that sound reasonable (laughs) what's that I mean God says come now let us reason though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow is that reasonable no is it reasonable that Jesus Christ the perfect sinless spotless individual God himself becoming a man would lay down his life and bear the sin of all humanity, and offer his life as a sacrifice. Is that reasonable? No. But God says, let us reason. Let us settle the issue. Let us conclude the matter. And in Christ Jesus, it is concluded. Can you say amen? In Christ Jesus, the issue is settled. The issue of sin has been dealt with. God, amen, once and for all, hallelujah, has paid the penalty by making Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. What a saviour. Now, one of the other things that I want to talk about is this Hebrew word scarlet, because as I began to study this, and began to, uh, my understanding began to open up a little bit more in relation to some various spiritual realities and truths, that are associated with this. But there are two words being used here in the text. Though your sins are like scarlet and crimson, they're two different Hebrew words, even though uh, they're speaking about the, wor- the, the colour of scarlet or red. And there are the, the two Hebrew words are taula and shani. And this word, is, as I pronounce it, shani, it has very significant meaning for us to understand because... You see, scarlet, this word scarlet, this Hebrew word shani. it speaks to us not only of the colour itself, but how that colour was derived. Where that dye, if you want to call it, came from. Because this colour, uh, scarlet, it came from a particular, uh, uh, I guess, uh, insect or a particular, um, uh, well, insect it is, but let me read it to you so we can establish it it says the word shiny signifies the color obtained from the insect Coccus ilius, which belongs to that family now listen the dried body of the female provides a coloring matter from which dye can be made and then used to color cloth scarlet or crimson now what's interesting it talks about this this female provides a colouring matter, the dried body. Now, what's interesting to note that this insect, as it prepares to, uh, to lay its eggs and to bring them to birth, what it does is this, this, it, it, uh, it, it positions itself over the eggs and provides the protection and warmth in order to bring those eggs to, to birth and whatever else. But in the process of this, it, it virtually gives of its life and, uh, in, in that process. And in doing so, it, re- it changes colour and releases uh, a what we a dye, I guess, or, uh, which we call it, which is what it's used for, but it produces a colouring matter that is released from this particular uh, insect and in doing so, it brings to birth those eggs, and in and at the same time, it sacrifices its own life, in which it dies. And so, when we find the Hebrew word for shani, uh, scarlet, which is shiny it is telling us, and it is referring specifically to this this insect. And what we he- see here is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You can't help but just look at that and identify the cross and identify Christ and understand here because remember there's a dual aspect to, uh, to this scarlet thread that we're talking about. It is symbolic of sin but it is symbolic of Christ because Christ was made sin. And so here it is, this, by, by sacrificing His own, its own life, the female produces those eggs. But this is... Also, what, how they uh, derive this color scarlet, they take the, the eggs and, uh, um, and the, the mother insect or whatever and it's from there that they draw out the dye that they use to stain the, the cloth in order to make things red. And so what a picture of the gospel. Christ laying down his own life, shedding his own blood on Calvary's cross. And we, amen, we have been brought to birth. Though our sins are like scarlet, having identified with us, we shall be made white as snow. How glorious it is it, it, it is, how we see it just there, but you see there's another aspect that I want to point and bring to your attention is the the word the Bible uses the word here for scarlet it's the word shana again, and literally as well, the word means to Repeat. Or oh, in some versions it will even say, your, though your sins are double dyed. So, it means to repeat. Now, remember I said there's a dual aspect to the word scarlet. It symbolises sin and it symbolises Christ. And, the t- and, and in this very act itself, when they take the cloth, they take the cloth and they dip it twice in the scarlet dye in order to, to, uh, to take on that colour to be died, thoroughly died. And so, in a sense, what we see is that we have been born and we are, being, we are stained with sin. We have a sinful nature. We have sinned against God. We have stained and we are uh, corrupted by sin. So, in a sense, we have been died once. But the, uh, but the reality is, is we need to be died twice. Amen? And we need to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in that sense that we find the double dipping or being double dyed and then all of a sudden rather than being stained and characterised by sin, amen, we are now stained and characterised by the blood of Jesus and that neutralises the, uh, um, the effect of sin and now all of a sudden we are white as snow because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him that we would be declared righteousness, that we would be pronounced clean, that we would be made holy. Wow. And that's because we have been died, double died, amen, as the scripture refers to it. <coughs> Praise the Lord. You know, when you begin to think about this you begin to see how wonderful the gospel is. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, God is saying to you and I, and he has said it to those of us now that have responded to the gospel. But there are multitudes out there, amen, who still need, and this invitation still applies, where God says, "Come now, and I will. Uh, though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them white. You shall be; they shall be white as snow." You know, to think that God would take sinners such you, as you and I and make us saints, and, uh, and you know, the more I think about it, surely the the gospel is good news for bad people. Amen. Uh, I stand here today, and I I some. And, and i do this uh, every now and then i just re- reflect cuz it's good to remember never forget where you came from amen and i tell you now i was just lost in sin i was i had no concept of god and yet and and, and for the sins that i had committed i deserved to die i deserved to go to hell i deserved the eternal punishment i deserve god's wrath and yet The gospel is exactly there for me. And I tell you, it changed my life and here I stand today but yet it is important for us to never forget where we came from, amen? Because where would we be without Jesus Christ, amen? Where would you be today? Have you ever thought about that? I have no idea but I would not be who I am today, I know that much and have what I have and the blessings that have come to me as a result of God and the gospel. Come now, says the Lord. Come now. You know, let's just look at this as we kind of consider this a little bit further. Let's just look at this scarlet thread in the scripture because it is so wonderful to observe. And as we say, the the, the new is contained in the old. And so we begin to see these shadows. We begin to see these types that are being introduced and they all point to Christ. And isn't it interesting that uh, we're talking about this this colour, scarlet. Where else did scarlet appear in the scripture? And again, there is uh, multiple aspects, but what I want to talk about is what we refer to as the veil of the temple. The veil of the temple, the tabernacle uh, uh, built by Moses and when they made the tabernacle, they made the the temple and they had the the holy place and the holy of holies and what separated the two, uh, the holy place from the most holy place was a veil. What was that veil made of? It was made of blue, scarlet and purple. And these particular colours are again very, very symbolic for us to identify with and to understand. But you see what's more important, amen, what does that veil represent? That veil represents Jesus Christ because what happened, you know the story, when Jesus died on that cross and after he spoke the words, it is finished, what happened? The veil of the temple was torn in two. Hallelujah. So the blue and the scarlet and the purple curtain was rent and ripped and, sp- and it was symbolic of the fact that we could now enter into God's presence. It was now, as Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, that the, the, the veil is his flesh. And so here we have it, the scarlet, is representative, one of sin and two of Christ. And when, the, when, when we have the double die, amen, coming together, we have salvation, praise the Lord. And so uh, the blue in scripture is symbolic of heavenly and so Christ, God becoming a man. Scarlet is representative of sin and ultimately the blood of Jesus Christ coming together at Calvary. And we have the colour purple which is in scripture symbolic of his royalty. Hallelujah. They may have put a scarlet robe on him, amen. But he, amen, has a purple robe. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Purple representative of royalty. And that is our saviour, hallelujah. And when we look at Christ we see him as he is and how wonderful it is. Oh, what a saviour that he has and all that he has done. The high priest's garment was made up of his outer his, uh, garment that he would wear was made up of uh, the robe was made up of the, the same three elements uh, uh, blue, scarlet, and purple. And the high priest was the only one that could enter into the most holy place once a year. And we know that without blood he couldn't go. Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. He could not enter that holy of holies on the day of atonement without the shedding of blood. And so, here it is. The high priest is symbolic of, again, Christ, the scarlet thread. You see these aspects and they all point to Christ. They all talk about uh, the, uh, uh, the crucifixion. They all talk about salvation. We're familiar, for those that read the Bible, we're familiar with the uh, Old Testament story of Rahab. And Rahab, well, herself, being a harlot, a Gentile, not even a Jew, not from the children of Israel. And yet Joshua is about to lead the Israelites into the Promised Land. They're about to possess Jericho and it's about to be destroyed and they send in the spies. And you know the story, Rahab houses them and she cuts a deal with them and says, Look, uh, what about, you know, I'll do this, this and that and what about I'm being, uh, my, me and my household will be saved from uh, being killed when you come and raid? And they said, okay. They, they, they made a covenant, the Bible says, and they said, when we come, as long as we see this scarlet thread, this scarlet rope hanging from your window, when we see it, we'll know, we'll be reminded. And so here we have, and then Rahab comes into and dwells among and is grafted in among the children of Israel. But that scarlet thread, again, is representative of Christ. It is representative of the fact that, amen, not only does Rahab represent Gentiles who can be saved, but Gentiles that are grafted in, amen, as Romans 11 talks about. And so here we have it. It's representative of the Gentile church that has come because the blood of the cross has brought about peace, amen? Ephesians chapter 2 talks about all of this and the two have made one, amen, and uh, Jew and, and Gentile and our one body in Christ Jesus, hallelujah. Why? The scarlet thread. The blood of Jesus Christ and it is, it is symbolic and is representative in so many ways and we have been recipients of it. Praise the Lord. There's one other aspect that I want to just draw to your attention. Maybe you can turn with me to Leviticus chapter 14. In Leviticus, in the Bible, just as quickly, for those that may not understand, but uh, leprosy... Is symbolic of sin, okay? In scripture, and represents and is a type of sin. And so here we have in Leviticus 14, we have, um, uh, well, in chapter 13 it talks about the the law concerning leprosy, and then in chapter 14 it talks about the ritual for cleansing uh, and healed lepers. So lepers that had been healed. And there was a ritual cleansing that they had to go through through the high priest. But again, I just want to look at verse, a couple of verses uh, in verse 4 if you read with me. And again, I want you just to see the gospel right here and identify how this works. So in verse 4, they would, the, the leper was healed and he'd come to the priest. In verse 4, Then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird he shall take it, the cedar wood, the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them and the living bird into the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. You see right here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We read this, and we, re- you know, we can read these uh, these books, and we can find it laborious. But there's such spiritual wealth here. There's such spiritual truth. There's such spiritual significance in light of this. And if if leprosy is symbolic of sin, in which case it is, and the high priest being symbolic of Christ, then these wor- the, the these birds, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop. You see, the, uh, the, the clean birds are representative of the sacrifice of, well, the one that is killed, or both are, but the one that is killed is sac- uh, symbolic of the sacrifice of Christ. The cedar wood is symbolic of the cross. The scarlet is symbolic of sin. And also the cleansing, this dual aspect, uh, of, of cleansing that's associated with the scarlet that's why we find hyssop because hyssop was how they applied the blood remember uh, in <coughs> at the Passover when they uh, sacrificed the lamb and they take the blood and then they'd get the hyssop and they dip it in the blood and then they poured it on the lintels the hyssop has to do with the application of the cleansing and so here's the scarlet it is uh, being offered at the same time and it is being appropriated so not only is it symbolic of sin in scripture as we see but it's christ and his blood and we're seeing a picture of the cross right here in these verses and it says in verse six as for the living bird i mean they've just in verse five they've just killed the the one bird and in verse six they They take the living bird, they take the cedar wood, they take the scarlet, a thread or whatever it was, cloth, and the hyssop and dip them in the living bird and the living bird in the blood. And then in verse 7, they shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy and they shall pronounce him clean. You see, it is that scarlet being dipped in the blood of the, of the sacrificed bird. And then they take that and they sprinkle it seven times and they declare the person clean. You see, this is exactly when the scripture talks about scarlet, our sins, and then, uh, and then being, uh, uh, being put upon Christ, and then the blood of Jesus being applied to us. Hallelujah. And we are pronounced clean. We are pronounced forgiven. We are white as snow. We are like wool. Isn't it glorious when you see these things in the text that it just excites you to see how all these ties together in the plan and purpose of God. So, in saying all of that, I just want to bring to a conclusion this message this morning and I just want to make an appeal because this cleansing applies and is an offer to the sinner who does not know Jesus. The sinner who's corrupted by sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you can be justified by his blood. You can receive the forgiveness of sins. That's why we sing that song. Are you washed in the blood? In the sore cleansing blood? Of the Lamb, you see, because it's so important to be washed in the blood, and we appeal to the sinner who is stained as, as scarlet, is to be made white as snow through the scarlet thread in Scripture, through the blood of Jesus Christ Himself, and be pronounced clean, forgiven, and holy and whole. But also, the Bible speaks to the Christian because we can stain ourselves with sin. Amen. What does the Bible say? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is your garment stained? Come and confess your sin to Jesus and he'll wash you in the blood. Hallelujah. You see, there's provision for the sinner and the saint to make sure our garments are white. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. Come now, your word says. Come now. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Come now, Lord, your word says. And God, I just pray that this word, Lord, would go forth and speak and minister, God, we as your people, we rejoice in this truth. I pray, God, that sinners would understand, Lord, and that they would come to be washed in the blood of Jesus. And I pray likewise, O oh God, for your people. Lord, if there is a stain of sin, God, that there would be confession and there would be repentance and there would be cleansing. Oh God, we just thank you for this scarlet thread of, in the scripture. We just thank you, Lord, for all that it speaks, all that it represents and the spiritual realities of it that so apply into our own lives. So God blessed be your wonderful name. Amen.